So it's two letters that could absolutely transform the future of your business. Hey guys, my name is Miles Wood Boyer. This is the Photographic Collective Podcast. And today we've got a really cool chat. My, uh, my buddy Brandon Bucheri is back for a second interview with me. But today's episode is all about, it's like the hot button topic none of us really want to dig into. How to say no. Actually, you know what? 2.0 of that, why it's so important that we learn how to say no. You guys, I'm going to jump right into my conversation with him. Y'all take notes. This is an incredible opportunity for us all to learn just how powerful the word yes can be when it's used at the right time. Okay, so Brandon, um, dude, one of the reasons that I really wanted to have you on here today was to have this conversation, like this quick talk. Because of everybody that I know, you're probably one of the, I'm going to say probably the best, but I will also say like, I think probably one of the most outspoken proponents of this idea of like learning to say no, right? Um, Like that's a, that's a, it's a hard (laughs) thing to jump into, dude. Like that is, that's, that's not an easy skill to, to master. Okay. So start, start right off the bat for us. Like. Um, where, where did this idea of like learning the power of saying no come from for you? I don't know, man. I mean, it's tough because like, yeah, I, I would say I am a proponent of knowing when to say no, but I hate, I also simultaneously hate being the no guy. I'm a pleaser and I want to make my clients happy and I want them to have their dreams come true. But at the same time, like, I guess it's just comes from a place of, you know, I want them to have everything they desire, but I can't, you know, kill myself in the process of doing it. Like I can't hurt my business. I can't hurt my team on if, if it's going to cause more problems. Then at that point, it's like, okay, I got to say no to something. Right. Um, and you, you know, I, you know, this too, obviously, um, Elizabeth and I just had our first baby. And so you quickly realize that you're always saying no to somebody when you're a parent. <laughs> and so, um, I think that that has helped me even more doubly reinforce this, this concept for me of knowing when to say no, how to say no and and everything like that. But, um, yeah, that wasn't a great answer, I guess. No, that's actually, (laughs) you're, you're, you're wrong. That actually is a fantastic answer because here's, here's the thing. I didn't give you a whole lot of like lead up as to what I really wanted to speak about today because we were, we were talking a little bit first things first. Thank you for like the compliment of you saying that you've been enjoying where, where we've been going, but like, Oh yeah. I, uh, what I've been trying to do as as an interviewer and and I guess as a host um, is spend more time learning directly from people. And one of the things that I've learned from you early on, I've heard you say this several times, right? So like everything I've heard you, how many times I've heard you say, every time you say yes, you say no to something else. Right. Right. That's a massive lesson. And, uh, and I want to hear, like, I want to hear that from you. Like, I want to hear how... How have you gotten past this fear? Because I think that's where most people live in is this like fear of the word no. I think, yeah. I mean, it's something I I deal with like pretty regularly because, you know, in order to say yes to something, there's a certain like vulnerability you have to have with, um, I mean, just, I'll just put it in like business client terms. It's like, if you have somebody come to you and they say, Hey, I would like you to do this project for me. And here's how much money I have. And you say yes to that. What you've automatically done now, if you're, you know, fortunate to be like me, I I don't have a full-time job. I'm self-employed. So this is my full-time job. 
So automatically, when I say yes to somebody, I commit a certain amount of time to them. I commit a certain amount of my brain space to them, my thoughts, my ideas. Um, and so like that's time that now I don't get to spend with my family. I can't spend it necessarily with friends if I'm traveling. I'm going to have to be away for a few days. Like that's even more of a sacrifice now that I've just said no to my family on like being at home altogether, you know, things like that. So if you say yes to a big job or whatever the case is there, you know, you're going to have to spend a certain amount of time and effort and energy on that job where you're going to turn down other opportunities to like spend it with friends, spend it with your family, go out and have a good time, go out and have a beer, whatever it is, or even working on like a personal passion project. You can't necessarily do that if you're just, you, you don't always get paid for your passion projects, but you do get paid when the client sends you a check. So like, you got to say yes to that. You got to turn down something else. On the flip side though, like saying no requires a lot of vulnerability as well, because, um, you know, I, I've, I know I've kind of talked to you about this before. I kind of have like a three, like a triangular metric system that I use for if I'm going to say yes or no to something. And I feel like a lot of people heard it, but you can, you can either in one, in a job or in a project, creatively speaking, you can either have two of three things. You can either have like good friends, good people working on the project. You can either have good money involved in the project, or you can be really passionate about the idea that the project is centered around. But if you can't hit two out of those three things, in my experience, you're really not going to enjoy working on the project. You're not going to enjoy the end result. And it's really just going to turn out to kind of not be worth it in the, in the, in the end. Um, because alone money, at least for me is not enough to satisfy me for taking on a client, taking on a project. I want to be able to work with people I want to work with. And I also want to enjoy what I'm, you know, shooting for or whatever the case is there. Um, at the same time, like I could be really passionate about the project and the idea, but if the, there's no money in it or, or I'm going to have to work with a crew that I don't know, or, or maybe I do know them and we don't get along well. Okay. I'm, I, I'm not going to enjoy that. Or flip side, if it's just a bunch of buddies getting together and there's no money involved, I better be really damn passionate about that, that project because, <laughs> you know, it's like, you're, you're asking me for my time at that point and energy. So like, yeah, there's, there's ways to sort of arrive at, should I say yes? Should I say no? Um, and that's sort of one way that I do it, I guess. Mm, okay. I love the specifics there because I think that there's this sort of dichotomy and you and I speak about this a lot, right? You remember uh, a couple of weeks ago, I sent you the text that I had heard that, uh, that statistic, right? That said like, I think it was, it was something crazy. It was, it was astronomically high. It was like 86% of Gen Zers would rather not go to work than <laughs> not like their work. Yeah. Right? So, so, I mean, to some point, like on some level, you kind of have to put in the reps, right? Like you, you have to get the grunt jobs. You have to do the jobs that other people don't want to do. So talk to me about like the discipline then of getting, of sort of knowing where not only your threshold are, it, uh, sorry, your threshold is, but also then when you can start to make these decisions to sort of like create parameters and space for yourself. I think you just have to get to a place of being comfortable in your own vulnerabilities with yourself. You have to, I'm going to talk a lot about vulnerability and saying no and yes, because I think that's just there's certain there's a certain level of authenticity that has to happen, and in order to be a truly 
like authentic person, you have to be a vulnerable person and be willing to put yourself out there. And so what I'm talking about vulnerability wise is like, you've got to be able to look at yourself and say, okay, you know, if I take this, am I going to be happy? What is my metric of happiness? What's my metric of success? Is it going to be something that's going to like drive me towards a bigger goal? Because yeah, I mean, it's like, it's reality. Like, especially if you're just getting started in photography or video production, like, I'm sorry to break it to you, but you're not just going to go out and get the biggest budget jobs just because you want them. Like, that's just not how it works. And, you know, so like, like for, I, I'll just use myself as an example. Um, you know, I don't, I shot weddings with you for years and we partnered on that and it was, it was a blast and it was fun. Weddings were never my end goal, but um, yeah, feature films are my end goal. I want to be a feature film director. And so, but shooting weddings gave me the opportunity to learn and kind of align myself towards that ultimate goal. Cause what I learned is like, uh, I, I think Jay said it really well last week, man, if you can, if you can shoot a wedding and make it look good, you can make anything look good. Like it's rapid fire. It's rapid pace. You only get one chance. So you can't call cut and be like, sorry, back to one. Can we do that again, please for camera? Like if you miss it, you miss it, you know? Um, and so anyways, uh, using weddings, like, okay, I'm going to get my feet under me. I'm going to learn what it means to shoot and have an eye for, um, for a shot. I'm trying to get the word. It's escaping me. Anyways, um, you develop, I developed a skill set. I developed, you know, how do I talk to people? How do I interact with people? I don't even know. All of these things are skills I picked up. It's like, okay, now I'm ready to sort of switch to the next niche and try to step up. So now, you know, we have Evoco. We launched for commercial video production. We're doing TV spots and social media commercials, things like that. It's like, all right. So I'm taking some of these skills I just learned in a job that, you know, I loved it while I was there because the money was good. I was working with good friends and it may not have been my true love and my end goal for, for videos, but I was there. I was in it and I was learning. Okay. Now I take these people skills. I've learned how to manage budgets, how to manage time on the shoot day, how much, how much time it actually takes for us to set up a shot, get the thing, et cetera, et cetera. All right. All these skills I just picked up in weddings immediately apply to the next level, the next thing I'm on in commercials. All right. So now in the commercial world, what I'm trying to learn to help me get to making short films and features is like, okay, how does, what does a client look for in something that's going to be extremely publicly facing, right? How do I write a script? How do I storyboard? Things like that. I feel like if you can pick up just like pick up skills along the way, doing things that, yeah, you may not be always passionate about it. You may not be in love with it, but keeping an eye towards that end goal and saying, all right, what skills can I pick up and add this to my toolkit so that when I get to that next level, I'm already ready for whatever challenges may face me because I've done some prep work, right? It's like, it's not always easy, but I think you have to have a sort of, a sort of central pillar, like, okay, I'm not, I'm not in love with where I'm at right now, but where I'm wanting to go and what I'm trying to do, it's, it's right there. And I'm keeping my eyes focused on that. So, mm. so that discipline has got to be such a, such an important part of the process. And, and I think that that's like, um, you know, to get pretty specific, I mean, you and I have worked on projects together, commercial projects together, right? Where we've, we have had to your point, like we've had the money, like the budget has been there. Right, but we we didn't enjoy it, and the reason we didn't enjoy it is because it didn't align with the trajectory of where we wanted to go, right? And so we we said yes because you know there was a number of zeros behind it, 
But <laughs> what what ended up happening? I mean, I I think you know you and I both ex- know exactly what I'm talking about here, right? But what ended up happening was a strain on our friendship, a strain on our creative potential, a strain on our discipline, and honestly, a strain on the value of all of the work we were creating for other clients at the time, right? Because everything everything was being poured into this job that we you know eventually didn't want to do. The money didn't justify it, and uh, and so. Yeah, I think that there's I think there's freedom in that. So that's that's my next kind of question for you then is how do you then turn this this fear, this like FOMO of saying no, right? How do you turn that into into freedom for yourself? Because I I don't think I've ever seen you have that FOMO. Like I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen you be the guy that's like, "Well, I hope I don't miss this." So what is what's that like for you to turn that fear into into freedom? Um, you know, for me, I think it's just having that sort of faith that if I say no to this right now, something better, the something more that more aligns with my goals will come. And that's not always easy for sure. I've definitely had stressful months and weeks and times where things are slow and dry and you're just like, wow, where am I ever going to work again? And (laughs) you hit that spiral of depression. That's like, wow, I must really, I really suck at this. Nobody's hiring me. Nobody's talking to me. Like I'm, I'm reaching out. Nobody's, nobody's hitting me back. Like, wow, this is horrible. And then, you know, (laughs) you, you spend those six, eight weeks wondering what happened and you all of a sudden, bam, that, that thing you were hoping for that big project that, um, you just knew it was going to come around the corner. It was, it was actually just further around the corner than you thought. And here it is, you know? And so I've talked a lot in like the photo co group about when you have those times of sort of desperation, that's the time to double down on yourself. And like, man, I, I can't tell you how many times I've said, I'm going to quit. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. And I just, I'm like, but you know, maybe tomorrow will be better. And and I just have to kind of hinge on that. And that's not always easy. And, and, you know, you know, as well as anybody, man, when you go, when you go out and you finally get that, that big project, uh, well, I, I know you and I share this sentiment when you go out and you get that first big project, our first thought is not, all right, how am I going to like knock this out of the park? It's immediately like, all right, where's the next one going to come from? Cause by the time I've landed the job, man, I know I'm ready for it. Like, the, because the clients at that point, the client says, yeah, you're ready. Okay. There's no more permission needed. Like I've already got somebody willing to give me these resources I need to make this thing. They trust me. That's good enough for me. Now I'm already thinking like, all right, what's the next one going to be? Where's that going to come from? Because if this person trusts me, okay, perfect. Like that's good enough. I, I can accept that. Now I got to do a kick-ass job on this, on this project while also looking for the next kick-ass job, hopefully around the corner, right? You know, so. Yeah, and I think that 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 perfectly answers the question, right? Like, how do you get past that FOMO, which is something that I think I think a lot of our industry battles is this this idea of like, you know, whether you're um, you're a, a creative, it doesn't matter to anymore. We've got so many people in our group that are following us that aren't even in the the specific like imaging, you know, cr- industry. Right, just creatives in general, but 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 if you say no to a client or you say no to a paycheck or uh, you know it just doesn't feel right. You're sitting with a couple and uh, you know and they they want you to shoot your wedding, but it doesn't feel like a good move for you. 
and you have the courage to say no in that situation, what you've actually done is you've protected the value of your yes. That's I think right. that's something I think that's something that people just don't think through, right? Like we always want to talk about our pricing and our value and like we we want people to respect us and appreciate our art or whatever. But when was the last time I I think, you know, most of us took time to intentionally add value to our yes. And um, the other the flip side of that too is you can you can sort of add value to somebody else's yes too. That's where the power of your mm-hmm. network comes in because I am, I am never one to, I never want to present a problem to somebody without also being able to present a solution. So like somebody comes knocking on our door and they're like, Hey, we really want you to come out and shoot this like corporate conference with like five cameras and cut it up into, it's a hard no already. Like I've, I've heard enough, but, (laughs) but I know people who are amazing at that. And that's where you got to have a network of people behind you that, you know, I mean, because basically, like you and I have talked a lot in the past about positioning. So, like, yeah, you want to position yourself as an expert in what you do. And so, like, yeah, we don't make the corporate conference videos; we make the high-end, slick commercials that you see on TV. But I know people that make those corporate conference videos, and they're amazing. So here they are. Okay, well, you've you've what you've done now too is you've kind of had a touch point with a new client who didn't know that's not what you did, maybe. Um, and so, but you've positioned yourself as an expert and say, well, this is what we do. We don't do that. However, I know people who are amazing at what it is that you're looking for. They'll remember that when they want, when it comes time for them to maybe say, want a TV commercial. And I know I'm putting this in like commercial realm. That's just my, my, my realm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's adequate. Yeah. But yeah, like they'll, they'll remember that and say, okay, well, man, they were super gracious with me when I had no idea what I needed. I bet they will know what I need when the time comes. And so like, bam, maybe next year they've got a $100,000 TV spot they want produced. They're going to remember how you treated them, how you interacted with them. And if you recommend somebody who's you know going to take care of them as well, that's going to stand out in their mind that not only were, was I professional, who I sent them to was professional. And then all of a sudden, like you're not missing out on anything at that point. Go back to the FOMO point. Like If anything, you're setting yourself up for a bigger win later and- you know, it doesn't always pay off that way, but that's that's sort of the power of networking community is you set everybody else up for a win. You never know when somebody's gonna 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 need you and they're gonna call on you and say, Well, I don't do this, but Brandon does or Miles does or whoever it is, right? So so then you know, so much of what we're doing right now, um, just as a community, whether over in the photo collective Facebook group or via this podcast or just hanging out in my DMs with so many <laughs> of the listeners. Um, is is mindset training, right? It's like, it's adjusting our perspectives away from saying like, hey, um, you know, the analytics of success is this number or the metrics of success is this number of followers or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But changing our mindset to say creativity comes when we create space for you know, what our, our potential, our talent has time to breathe and grow when we have room to educate ourselves. And then we have a community around ourselves that, you know, that kind of lifts that up, right? So talk, talk mindset to me then, because I know, I mean, you've mentioned at times, you know, like you've been, you've had dry spells, right? Dry periods. How do you, how do you keep from kind of like getting down on yourself in those moments where you feel like, you know, like the world is like the world is kind of closing in and the bills are due and, and suddenly it's like, you're not good enough. 
Yeah, man. I mean, I just went through like a really personally just really bad dry spell. Like wife and I just had a baby eight weeks old. I didn't have a single project in those first eight weeks, bro. And like, <laughs> you know, it's stressful when that, when that happens. I mean, like we're fortunate enough with my company that I take a small, very small base salary, but man, when the money's not coming in and it's like, wow, where do I go from here? And for me, what I, what I do a lot of is I write and I write scripts and I write in a journal and, you know, you got to take care of yourself. Um, you gotta, you gotta have eyes on the prize all the time. Like, all of these scribbles that I have in journals and all of these, you know, little screenplays, whether they're shorts or, you know, maybe I'm writing down like a log line for a feature I want to write or develop one day or whatever. It's like, I'm always trying to find a way that I can turn like a sort of unhealthy, uh, stretch into what could potentially be a, a healthy planted seed one day, right. For myself that, Maybe I'll, maybe I'm just planting a seed right now. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not watering it yet, but it's there. It's ready for me when I'm ready for it. And so, yeah, man, but it's, it's tough too. Like you gotta, you gotta have a network of people that are your peers and then the, whatever business space you're in. Um, more importantly, you really I rely on family and, and close friends to kind of help, you know, spur you on when those, when those things get hard too, because man, being, being a creative can feel like so lonely and, and so challenging, especially when things are dry. Cause like, I know for me, like, you know, I'm probably more emotional than the average bear. So when things are low, man, it's like, wow, I'm like wallowing in self-pity over here. Like what, you know, what's happening to my life? This is my lot. Uh, woe is me. And then bam, you get that job and you're like, I'm the king of the world, baby. I'm on top of the world over here. <laughs> Let's go. And you know, those dramatic swings are, are, can be lethal. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's finding ways to stay grounded and stay in the middle is what I'm trying to say. You got to have a creative outlet for yourself. You got to have outlets for people you can talk to, people you can lean on. It's like, you got to realize you're not alone in this. And man, I, I know like, I know that what I'm saying will will resonate with somebody else out there because, I, well, man, like we've talked about it and I know other people that struggle with the same thing, man. It's, it's, it's like a universal struggle when you're a creative and an artist, you know? Oh, it's it's a constant battle, isn't it? I mean, I um, you know, I, I tend to think often. You know this about me, but I tend to think I try and take myself out of our industry, right, and like put myself in in other workplaces or other jobs or just other situations, and say like, how would I feel in that moment? You know, okay, so say I'm not in the creative world. Say I'm uh, I'm a professional athlete, right? Like, what what does it look like when? you're the MVP for so many years and then you can't catch uh, a touchdown, right? Like you just can't catch that ball. Or what's it look like when you are aging and your position shifts or you end up back on the bench for a few years or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And you know what I've realized? Um, I have a, a trainer that I was listening to this morning actually on a run um, that had some great advice. I think you'll like this. But she said, if you're an emotional runner, then it's the most important thing that you can do that you log, that you journal your runs. So that when you're having a, a really hard period, like you're really struggling on your runs, you can look back at the last time you were struggling and realize you're still trending faster. You know, like Man, you've, yeah. still, you've still yeah. shaved two seconds. I have, um, I have like a journal from like a year ago that I filled up 
and I was digging through some stuff in my office and I found it and I like flipped through to a date that's around the same time. And even a year ago, I, I laughed because I'm like, what? why was I even worried about that? You know, you look back, hindsight's 2020 and you're like, that was nothing. And I'm over here, there's, there's still tear stains on this page from when I wrote this down. And now I'm here a year later, I'm like, what is this? Like, that's ridiculous that I was thinking that way, you know? Um, so yeah, I do love that. And I think that's great. And I think, um, you know, something that, I've been talking about with my dad recently, we were talking about Tom Brady retiring and then unretiring, you know, if you're a football fan, you, you understand, but <laughs> very much. Yes. It's like, it's like, man, when you're an aging athlete, so many analysts in sports will talk about like, oh man, he's really reinventing himself around this new role. And I'm like, man, is he really reinventing? Are you really reinventing? Or were you always capable of what you're doing right now? It just looks different. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like, yeah, like you can be on top of the world one minute and the next, like, bam, you're, you're knocked down a couple notches. But like that greatness that you just experienced and the greatness that you just had, that's not gone. That's not that it never happened. It just might look different now. So your, your greatness is not, it's not a singular moment in time. It's the, it's the, the sort of, ability to expand on whatever role you're in right now, in my, in my opinion. Um, yeah, man, how, how often do we see uh, people just in our industry that have this mindset of like, you will never arrive, right? Like yeah, good is good is never good enough. And, uh, and so because of that, they never take time to celebrate the wins. Like, you know, they, they never, they never say I'm going to Disney world. Right, like that that moment where you unplug and you say, like, no, 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 I did it. Like, yeah. you know, I had a goal and I accomplished that goal. And now it may be time to set a new goal, or it may be time to just rest and and actually, like, you know, let let my body recover, let my mind recover. <laughs> you know, but yeah. all right. So so next question then for you. Once you start saying no to people, what I've noticed. Um, over years of doing this, I've noticed that people start to look grumpy. They just like to, they start to sound grumpy, right? They almost start to start, like find joy in, in like, you know, slamming the door in bad clients' faces. But you alluded to something a few minutes ago where you said like, you know, hey, if you can be the person that's just a connector of people, right? Um, then, then all the no is, is just like a, a, a pass, just a, a polite handshake to somebody else. How do you, how do you strengthen that that mindset, like that concept of saying, like, even when I say no, it's not coming across as, as a negative thing. Um, it's a, it's, I, I would say something that has helped me is actually something you said to me a couple years ago that in the context of the conversation, I've taken it out of context, but you, you used to say like, how do, how can we get to yes? And we, for a while we were running with that and it was like, okay, we never want to say no. And so we were like, but I think that got us into trouble a couple of times together. Cause we we're like, well, we said yes to something that we did. We did not want to say yes to. Right. But I think, I still think that's a good guiding principle in, in a different way, which is, okay, I, I don't want to say no to somebody going back to what I said about presenting a problem without a solution. It's like, okay, how can I get to yes? Maybe yes doesn't just doesn't need to come from me. Maybe I can just send it to somebody else who can say yes. But like as a as a business owner and as a creative, I want I want to please my client. I want them to be happy. But I also have to accept the fact that I'm not always the person that can make them happy and make all their dreams come true. And so 
just being aware enough of yourself and your own limitations sets you up to still say yes in a different way. It may not be, yes, I can do that. It may be like, actually, yeah, I know someone who can do that for you. Um, so yeah, like finding creative ways to get to yes. And, and another, I guess another example of that would be sometimes you have people come to you and, you know, they're like, Hey, I, I have this problem. Um, and I want to hire you to do it or whatever. Well, maybe that, maybe that here's my budget. Okay. You, you get a budget and maybe it's like a fifth of the size of what something that you normally work with. Well, instead of just being like, wow, offended that they came to you, don't be offended that they came to you with that number. They don't know you. Like you're just some guy that they happen to discover that offers something that they need, right? You're in a perfect opportunity to say, yes, I'm happy to help you. But with their with their budget, the amount of money they want to spend, maybe they're just not aware of the prob- the types of problems that you're capable of solving. So how can I reframe this and say like, hey, I hear you. I hear what your needs are. Here's what your needs actually are. You may not have thought of this. Like, turn it into a conversation instead of like a very transactional thing that happens. It's like there's more than money on the table. There's more than money at at risk here. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's um, that's strong. I had a, a business coach that used to tell me two things. I think you've you've heard me say a lot, but there's there should ne- never be a situation in business where there's no or yes. It should always be no but or yes if, right? You're, you're always creating space for where your answers can be justified within your actions. Um, so no, but I know somebody that can help you. Right. Or yes, if we have the budget or the constraints or the timing or the creative flexibility or, you know, insert sentence here, if it makes sense. Um, and I, 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 I've, I love that. I want to add to that and say like, there's, there is a transaction that happens and, and it's, it's sort of like an emotionally vulnerable transaction. It's not like a business money transaction, but like when somebody comes to you and says, here's my problem and here's what I can spend on it right now. Like that's a pretty vulnerable place for them to be in because they're admitting, they're admitting to having something that they can't solve on their own. And they're also telling you like, this is, this is the resources I'm, I'm kind of coming to you with. And so in return, like if you, if you just turn them down and you're just rude about it and you sort of, like you said, slam the door on them and grin about it on the backside, like you're one, you're kind of a scumbag. And and two, (laughs) like you, you're really spitting in their face, man, because like it probably took a lot for them to come to you with their hat in their hand and say like, Hey, I need some help. And man, if you just send them on their way, like that's pretty whack, you know. I don't want to do that. That's not the kind of person I want to be. Yeah. And and that's sort of like a, like a guiding principle of mine is like I want to. And if somebody comes to me with something, and they're vulnerable about it, man, I don't I don't want to turn them away and not be able to help, even if I'm not the right guy to actually be the the hands and feet in that situation, like helping. I want to find somebody that can. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, that's that's so strong. I mean, listen, I think uh, I think you know a lot of the listeners to this podcast. We're we're kind of all over the board, right? You know, a lot of the community over in on the Facebook group, um, you know, exist at really high levels as well as sort of startup people in our industry, and uh, and that's growing rapidly. But I, I think one of the things that unites all of us is this um, this fear of the impermanence, right? This fear of like, even when I'm succeeding, it may not last long. 
right? And uh, and so, but I think I I think I want to start to like wrap this up along those those concepts of like you know, Brandon, what do you what do you say to people? Like, how do you advise people that are they're they're not even confident in their wins, and so they just are acting out of constant fear of failure. I, I always share a little bit of my sort of personal story. Um, when I was pretty young, I was fortunate to win some pretty big awards and I won some film festivals and things like that. And I actually won an Emmy. And I can tell you that, man, like the awards thing and, and like you think that's like the top of the world and then you walk off the, sa- the stage after you accept it and you're, it's like this sinking feeling of like, okay, now what? You know, it's like, man, you celebrate every little win. Something that I do is like every time we get a a big job, like I take our crew out to go eat somewhere super nice because it may not be like the biggest thing that we've ever done every single time, but like it's a big victory for us to be able to come together and do this thing. Like own that, man. You know, that's what it's all about. So I think my point in saying all that is you've got to have, you got to be chasing something that's more than just an award more than just something that's kind of fleeting and comes and goes because, um, you know, I've been there and I can tell you that it, it doesn't really do much for you. It doesn't really mean that much. What means something though, uh, more to me is like, am I surrounded by people that love me and I love them? And, you know, can I pay the bills for my family to have a house and eat? Yeah. Great. Okay. I can keep them around. Like, um, I think you've got to find a deeper principle that is the, the bedrock of what, why you do what you do. I know you, I don't love the whole saying about like, find your why, but like there always needs to be a why you got to have some sort of a meaning behind why you're doing things. But if you can make it something that's a firm foundation to launch off of in, in any situation, then you're going to be a lot happier and a lot more pleased with all the little victories that kind of accrue along the way, then you will, if you're just chasing after, you know, this one particular specific thing, I can promise you when you get that one particular specific thing, victory doesn't taste as sweet as you think it's going to. Mm, okay. Yeah. I love that. I, uh, I think that's probably the most beautiful little piece of perspective for people to remember that, you know, who you are today doesn't necessarily define who you are going to be tomorrow uh, or who you were yesterday, but the the discipline that you take through the day is going to say a lot about where you're headed. Um, so, all right, man. Well, hey, dude, this has been what a cool, um, quick conversation, and uh, and filled with some really clean advice, like some really actionable steps for people to take. Hey, y'all, if you've listened this far in, you probably are starting to realize these episodes are getting shorter in episode three, or sorry, in season three. The purpose for that is because we're really trying to be more actionable, like more um, movement-oriented for you guys to get you in and out, kind of back on your day. Um, but I do want to talk about a few things that are coming up because Brandon, as always, is such a big part of everything going on over in the photographic collective community. So if you're not a member over there, over on Facebook, please join us over there. Um, Brandon is always so good at just being available to answer questions, either in you know public forums like that community or just in the DM. Um, and so I think if you if you're looking for like follow up to this 
uh, conversation. That would be a great place to do it. As well as, uh, I'm excited to announce that we are going to be starting um, a monthly photo challenge and uh, and allowing our our photographers and videographers to start just being a part of like um, more organized challenges and competitions over in the community where we can all come together and really build each other up and do trainings behind the photos. And so check in over there um, for more information on that. I'm actually going to announce some of that later today. Uh, Brandon is going to be a judge. He's just finding out this right now, but he's going to be a judge of the very first photo challenge. That's all about documenting a story. And so whether you're a photographer or a filmmaker, um, this first one is right up uh, Brandon's alley. Also, um, I mentioned this in the last episode, but guys, I, uh, I'm going to put in the show notes, um, trying to come alongside a good friend of mine uh, who has put together a um, an incredible opportunity for us all to serve, us all to kind of come together as a community. Uh, $80,000 have already been raised towards build, sending a shipping container to Ukraine filled with prepackaged meals. And all of that is being done here in Northwest Arkansas. Um, and uh, the churches and the community, uh, you know, organizations and just friends of mine coming together to really be a big part of that. So click the link down in the show notes for more information on how we can do something that is just bigger than our industry. Hey, Brandon, just a huge thank you, man. So much, um, so much just love for your perspective. You have been such an incredibly inspirational part of my life. So dude, thank you for taking time to just chat and hang with me. Hey man, thanks for having me. And this was like easily the shortest conversation I think we've ever had in the history of our friendship. So anybody that knows us knows as soon as I click stop here, we'll probably continue to talk for another 20 minutes. At least. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, man. No, thanks for having me. I, I've loved it. And I'm, I'm happy to be back anytime. Thank you.